0: How many of you are puzzle people? How many of you love doing jigsaw puzzles? We got a few. You got more than the first service. How many of you at home have a jigsaw puzzle on your table right now? You are real puzzle people, right? You got one there. How many of you have a Christmas jigsaw puzzle out there? Yep, we got a few. Yeah. I am not a puzzler. Wendy is a puzzler. Is a puzzler? Is that the right term? She is a person who likes doing puzzles. I'm not much of a puzzle person, uh, mostly because I'm not very good at it. I can sit at a table and Wendy will put 10, 15 pieces in and I'll be working on one to get it in there. Uh, but also because I don't always, it's just not my thing because I, underst- I don't always get it. Like, Like I've got the little picture. I don't want to spend the time making the big picture. I'll just trust it's going to look a lot like the little picture, but I understand there's a reason people like doing puzzles, and I'll find out what it is maybe one day. I think I don't like doing puzzles uh, mainly because I don't like all the pieces, uh, and the truth is I think a lot of times we don't like things that come in pieces. We don't like things that come in pieces. I mean, if it's not a puzzle, we want it to come all together. All together. We want it to come fully together. We don't want it to come in pieces. Some of you in a few weeks are about to have your December 25th ruined because you failed to read three words. And those three words are some assembly required. And you miss those three words and your little girl or your little boy tears open that box and they see the picture on the front of that box and they want to play with it immediately. And they're going to open that box up and find pieces. And you miss those three words, and you're going to spend your next hour or so undoing twisty ties. Now they screw them into the box if you haven't had any of those yet. And wondering do we have batteries or is CVS open right now? (laughs) Things come in pieces. And we have to, we don't want them to come in pieces. We don't want them to come fully assembled. I want it to come like the picture on the box. I want it to come like the item I see in the store. I don't want to put it together. But here's the truth, here's the reality. When it comes not only to these things, when it comes to the larger picture of our world, when it comes to the larger picture of like the brokenness and hurt that exists in our world, the truth is we don't want it to come in pieces. We don't want the solution to come in pieces either. We want the solution to be instant and full, and we want it all together. We don't want it to come in pieces. But what we often find is that the solution to brokenness comes in pieces, that healing sometimes comes in pieces, not all at once. We found, you know, you don't have to live very long to realize that one conversation isn't gonna fix Everything. One election isn't going to fix everything. One session of Congress isn't going to fix everything. One law passed doesn't fix everything. That solutions often come in pieces. A couple of weeks ago, our family had the chance to be down in Washington, D.C. for a couple days. And while we were there, we took some time to go through the African-American Heritage Museum at the Smithsonian. And if you haven't been there, it's a pretty amazing, uh, one of the amazing museums that they've put together. And the way they've put it together was extremely intentional. You start at the bottom of the museum, and it starts back in like the 15th, 16th century, back in Africa. And, as you start to go through the museum, you actually are going higher and higher on the floors, going throughout history, and you're seeing all the things that happened from the from the slave trade to uh, to the slavery in the United States and then around the world and you as you get higher and higher, you start to see not only the tragedy and the terror and and the awfulness of it, you start to see some of the some of the rights being made wrong, some of the laws being passed, some of, the, some of the healing that eventually happened. And when you get to the top, you see there's still a lot of work to be done, but you also see some of the progress that has been made. But as you go through there, what you realize is it was never changed in one event. One law didn't fix it. One, one event didn't fix it. Often our solutions come in pieces, whether we like it or not, that that's the way it is. And it's true with God, too, when it comes to the brokenness of our world, that often healing and solution comes in pieces. I want to start a series this morning, and we'll be in it for the month of December, called The Advent, The Already Not Yet Advent. And here's what I want to do, The Already Not Yet Advent, because the truth is, when we talk about Advent this time of year, there's really two Advents. There's the first advent, which is the first coming of Jesus that we think about in Bethlehem. But there's the second advent, which is Jesus is coming again one day, and we're looking forward to that, and there's more to come with that. And the truth is, there are some pieces of healing and the solution that came with the first advent, but there are some that are not yet here yet that are coming with the second advent. When we talk about Advent, what's interesting is I've studied Advent a little bit. Our understanding of Advent is, is rather recent. So when we come to the Advent wreath, we light candles of peace, hope, love, joy, and the Christ candle. Those five candles are about 150 years old, thinking in that way. Prior to that, like in the medieval times, the Advent time on the church calendar was always focused on the second Advent. The time in December was actually, in this darkest time of the year, was always focused on, are you ready for when Jesus comes again? And so the the candles that they lit were actually candles of uh, judgment, uh, heaven, hell, and I can't, remember the la- I can't remember the other ones. Death. You're right. Thank you, Kevin. Death. And the last candle was hell. Um, and I thought about going full medieval this year on the Advent, but that would make me preaching on hell like Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, and I just wasn't. I didn't feel like Mount Hope was ready for that. So we weren't gonna go full medieval, but I thought I don't wanna miss this understanding that we're talking about the first advent, but we can't take our eyes off the second advent. We can't take our eyes off where things are going. We can't take our eyes off preparing what's still coming. And so we're talking about the already not yet advent. And I wanna spend some time over the next several weeks talking about that, because there was a time before Bethlehem that God's people thought once Messiah comes, everything will be fixed. And they had good reason to believe that. If you were listening to the scripture that was read this morning from Isaiah chapter 11, there was good reason to believe that. That scripture says when Messiah comes, the lion will lay down with the lamb. Like the the, the lion will eat grass and not kill animals. That a child will be able to play over a cobra's den and not get bit by a snake. In other words, there won't be any death and pain. It'll all be gone. And so they thought once Messiah comes, that's what's going to happen. And then Messiah came. Jesus came in that first advent, and what God's people began to realize is that God's solution, God's healing, was actually going to come in pieces. And specifically this morning, if you want a title for this morning's sermon, it's that peace comes in pieces. The pieces of peace. Because the angels came and sang, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, Peace on those whom his favor rests. But it was a peace that might be very different than we're thinking, than we often think about when we think of peace. So this morning I want to talk about peace coming in pieces, and I want to give you, we'll look at three things. One, there's something you need to recognize about peace, there is something you need to receive when it comes to peace, and then there's a way to respond. So three R's, just because it's easier for me to remember that way. Something we need to recognize, something we need to receive, and a way to respond. We're going to look at that just real quickly when it comes to peace this morning. And here's the first thing. First thing we need to recognize, something we need to recognize. We need to recognize that peace, the way that most people understand it, has not yet come. It hasn't. And, and we can't deny that. When the word peace is used in our world, it's often understood to mean between people or nations. We think of peace talks, peace treaties, peace keeping force, the peace Corps. When we think about this peace, we're forced to recognize that it seems like peace hasn't yet come to our world. There was a time prior to the 20th century where some people thought, we're going to fix this all. I mean we are we don't have it all figured out yet but everything's moving up and to the right it's the it's like the golden age we're going to we got this figured out everything's going to be fine and then the 20th century hit the bloodiest century in human history 60 million lives lost in two world wars stalin hitler all these mao millions of people killing millions of their own citizens korea vietnam other conflicts and civil wars, and of course, most recently, Russia and Ukraine, and we say, where is the peace? Where is the peace? Because we haven't figured it out. And it's not just geopolitical or war problems. It hits closer to home, right? There's trafficking, human trafficking in our own backyard. There's violence in our cities. If you were to turn the news on this morning, one of the weed stories is going to be about a young man that got arrested in Florida for committing a double homicide in Massachusetts this last week. There's, not, there's peace missing from our world. There's abuse in our homes. It seems that despite our wan signs, the evidence of our planet, our nation, our city, and our neighborhoods tell a different story, that hate, does indeed have a home here, and peace is missing. I think one of the main reasons sometimes that people reject Christianity is because it seems like Christians overpromise and underdeliver, and especially at this time of year. We talk about peace, joy, love, and hope, and they roll their eyes. Where is it? It's like children running to a Christmas tree on Christmas morning and only finding pine needles, and then the parents saying, don't you love your gifts? And the kids say, what gifts? Where, where is the peace? What peace? It's not in Ukraine. It's not in China. It's not in Washington. It's not even at the World Cup. It's not at the Wall Street. It's not in Wall Street, in the schools, in our neighborhoods, on our highways. Where is Peace. And then if they're bold enough and they're blunt enough, they'll say, hey, even in the church, I see Christians fighting each other. Where is this peace that you talk about? The truth is, if you were to tell someone on the street that Jesus came 2,000 years ago into the world, and with him he brought peace into the world, they would say, well, then where is it? I don't see it, and quite frankly, there's too much evidence to the contrary. Similarly, if you were to talk to a faithful believer before that night in Bethlehem when Jesus was born, they would say, surely when Messiah comes, there will be peace and everything will be made right. What both these people miss is that in God's plan, peace comes in pieces. There is a peace between humans that is coming, but it's not here yet. John, in Revelation, he had a picture of this peace that will eventually come with this second advent when in Revelation chapter 21, he wrote these words about the new heaven and the new earth that Jesus will usher in. It says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning and crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. He's writing to a people that are experiencing persecution and death. And John says, look, there is a time coming when these things won't be here. It's not here yet. It didn't come with the first advent, but it's coming with the second advent. And there is something that God is at work doing. As followers, as a Jesus follower... You live neither in, you have to live, you and I have to live, neither in denial of the lack of peace among people, nor in despair that God is unable or unwilling to ever do anything about it. This is that in-between place that we live in. I'm not gonna deny that this world's a mess and that there are, there, there's a lot going on that is not good, but I'm also not gonna despair that God's gonna leave it that way, that it'll always be that way, that God is not at work. It's an incomplete peace. We have to recognize that peace, the way most people understand it, has not yet come. So if that peace has not yet come to the world, what did the angel's message mean? What is the peace that was brought? What is the already peace? Well, the second thing we need to do is we need to receive the peace that is available to you. Peace with other people is important, but it's not the only peace that you and I need. It's not even the most important peace, I would argue, that you need in your life. In fact, I would say if there's three different aspects of peace that Jesus brings and brought, then peace with other people is the third most important. There are at least two that I think that are even more important than that. And first is this, peace with God. This is the peace that's most important of all. Apart from Jesus coming in that first advent and giving his life as a sacrifice on the cross for us, it's not possible for any human to have peace with God. Peace with our creator, the almighty God, is impossible apart from the work of Jesus Christ. And that's the peace that came with this first advent. Paul in Romans chapter five says it this way, therefore since we have been justified by faith, we have, say these next three words with me, peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the peace, this is the first peace the angel talked about. The reason the, the angels were so excited The reasons they all came, you know, this this heavenly choir came out is because for the first time since the Garden of Eden, peace with God for humans was made possible, was going to be possible through Jesus Christ. That this is that first peace that we have. Because before that, we were living as enemies, and yet God is reconciling us through the death of his son, Paul says in Romans chapter 5. We have reconciliation. We have a peace with God that is offered to us that we can receive. Theologian Thomas Merton said this. He said, man is not at peace with his fellow man because he is not at peace with himself. Most people would agree with that. You can get pop psychologists that will agree with that part of the statement. But Merton goes on to say, he is not at peace with himself because he is not at peace with God. And this is that peace that that is offered to us now through that first advent that God offers you a peace with your creator, that you may be looking and saying, I want, I want to see peace between people. And yet God is saying, I'm offering you a peace with me. There's a second peace that also you need to receive, though. When you receive a peace with God, the second peace to receive is the peace of God. Last September in our series on Philippians, we memorized Philippians chapter 4, verse 7 together, which says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So not only can you have peace with God, you actually can have the peace of God in your life. We all recognize when there's a lack of peace in our hearts and lives, we deal with it in many ways and try to address it in different ways. Jesus comes to bring peace to your heart and life, to calm the restlessness that comes from this world He says that the peace he brings will keep your heart from being troubled and afraid. In fact, in John chapter 14, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So what God comes to give you in that first advent is make possible peace with God, but then also to give you the peace of God that guards your heart, those places where you feel, and your mind, those thoughts that are constantly giving you anxiety. And Jesus says, when you come, God offers you, and God gives the peace of God to your life. These are the two critical pieces of peace that God offers to you and allows you to engage and receive now. You know, when I get something with those three words on it, some assembly required, I don't know what you do, but here's what I usually do. I open it up, I take everything out, I look at the picture on the box, and I start putting it together. (laughs) And sometimes that works out fine, usually when there's just a few pieces. Most times, I get to a point, and it's not working, and I think this is dumb. Why isn't this going together? And I have to go and pull out the directions, usually end up having to take apart what I've already put together, and what I usually realize is that I missed a step. Something had to be put in that I didn't put in. Something had to be turned a certain way that I didn't turn that way. Or one piece looked very similar to another piece, but it wasn't exactly the same. What I learned is there was an order of operations that I ignored. And when it comes to peace, many look at the pieces and want to put it together in a certain order. Their order. Many people will look at the lack of peace in the world between people and nations and say, see, your Jesus coming didn't make any difference at all. Why should I believe in your God if you say he came to bring peace and obviously there is no peace? It's as if they're saying, if God would just bring peace to the world, then I might believe in him. The question in that moment is, will we let God determine the order of operations. Jesus did not come the first time in that first advent to bring peace to all human relationships instantly. God did not claim to do that or intend to do that. We read that upon the words sometimes when we read that word peace. Some people read that into it, but that was not, that's our claim, not God's claim. That does not mean it won't come at the second advent. The question is, will we let peace that is not present now cause us to ignore the peace that is available now? The peace that's available now that's really more important is for you to be able to have peace with God and for you to have the peace of God in your own heart. And will you push that away because God has not done your order of operations and fixed everything else between other people first? Or will you trust God and put your faith in him and allow him to be God and unveil the pieces of peace that come? That brings us to our third point. How do we respond? We respond by living a life of peace. We respond by living a life of peace. You know, there are some gifts you get that the assembly is actually part of the gift. Anyone ever get a set of Legos, right? If you buy Leg, if you're a parent and you're going to buy Legos for your kids for Christmas, let me give you one one piece of advice. Don't put it together before you give it to them. (laughs) Like that's the one gift you don't assemble for. They want to put it together. That's part of the gift, It's like a puzzle, I guess, in that way. You don't put it together first. Part of the joy is being a part of the process of putting it together. When it comes to this idea of peace, I would argue that actually part of the joy when you come to God is to actually to help bring peace and be a part of God's bringing about of peace in the world and in the lives of people around us. So two things to respond to live by a life of peace. One is we are to live at peace with people in our lives. We are to live at peace with people in our lives. Romans chapter 12 says this, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably, live at peace with all. So once you've received the peace of God, once you are at peace with God, your responsibility, my responsibility, is to make every effort to live at peace with everyone else around us. Here's what I love about this verse, because it obviously considers the reality in which we live. I love it says, as much as it depends on you. In other words, as much as is in your power, Live at peace with everyone. There's a tacit recognition that between the first and the second advent, there will be at times where it will be out of your power to live at peace with everyone. Some of you, that reality is just hitting for the first time. It's sometimes going to be out of your control to live at peace with everyone. There are some people who will just want to pick a fight and there's nothing you can do about it. You can make all the peaceful efforts you want, but in the end, they won't be satisfied. God's word says it's your responsibility only to try to make it happen, not to make it happen. God will not hold you responsible for forcing and making the peace. He will hold you responsible for endeavoring to make every effort on your part to live at peace with everyone. That is our responsibility. Well, how do you do that? What's that look like? Well, all you gotta do is just look a little bit at the context of Romans chapter 12 and Paul makes it clear what that looks like. Romans chapter 12, I don't have it on the screen, but here's some of the things it says. Verse 16 says, live in harmony with one another. Here you go, here's how you do it. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. And then, if possible, as far as depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it's written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, here's how you do it. You want to try and live at peace with everyone? If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not become overcome by evil, but overcome evil With good, If you have received peace in your life, you're at peace with God, this is your responsibility. Make every effort to live at peace with those around you, and that's how you do it. But the second thing is this. You and I are also tasked to be peacemakers, brokers of peace. Matthew chapter 5, the words of Jesus. Jesus says this, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. And here we come full circle to our first point, recognizing the fact that we live in a broken world filled with broken relationships that lack peace. Jesus calls blessed those who work for making peace in the world. In fact, he says they're called sons of God. Some people do this in a formal way. Maybe you work in the government and you literally work to broker peace in certain situations we're all called to do it in an informal way, in your friendships, in your neighborhoods, in your family, to be brokers of peace in our lives. But there is a very particular way you and I are called to do it, and that is to share with others the availability of the peace with God in their lives. Here's how you are a broker of peace. That there is a broken world that you will bring with you Jesus and that you share with this world that it is possible for you to have peace with God. It is possible for you to have the peace of God and then for you to become a broker of peace as well. This is where you get to put the Legos together. This is where you get to be a part of the process. This is what God has called you to. This is the pieces of peace that come into the world. Yesterday, uh, some of you may have been on our global outreach call. Every sad, first Saturday of the month, we do a global outreach Zoom call. Any of you can jump on it. It's on our website. Uh, you can jump on the global outreach Zoom call, prayer call, first Saturday of the month, 830 to 930 in the morning. And we get a couple of our partners from around the world on there, and they share a little bit what they've been doing and what's been going on. And then they, we pray for them. Yesterday, if you were on that call, you would have heard from Thierry, Thierry Mugabe, who's one of our partners. And Thierry's been here, and he's spoken here before, and so you might know a little bit of his story. But Thierry's story is he was, uh, his family uh, and his country experienced a genocide when he was young, uh, the Rwandan genocide, if you 've seen the movie "Hotel Rwanda," you, you know the story. Or if you 've read about it, you 've heard about it. In a series of really days, 100 days, the country was decimated through a genocide, most of it through brutal murders, often with machetes. And Thierry 's family was uh, experienced the, the results of that he, to, to such a point that he became a refugee had to leave his area, his country, and go and live in a refugee camp. And as he lived there, and he's explained the difficulties and the, of everything that goes into that, lack of medicine and food and water and, and getting those things every day and wondering where they're going to come from. And you could think that would be real, real easy to get bitter at God. Real easy to say, "Where's the peace, God?" Real easy to say, for, you know, it doesn't look like there's any peace around. And I, and I asked Terry once, I said, you know, there must have been a lot of people that got mad at God and, and just left, you know, belief in God altogether there. And, and I realized how much of a privileged Western way of looking at things that was when he said, there's no atheists in a refugee camp. They're all looking to God, looking for help, and they'll pray for it. But what happened with Thierry, he didn't get bitter, he didn't get mad. In fact, he got a watery ticket to get him to America, uh, to be able to come immigrate to America. And when he did, he went to Bible school here in Massachusetts. He became a missionary. And the reason he was on that call yesterday is because he was calling in from Indonesia, where he is a missionary, reaching and sharing with people. He is a broker of peace. To people, and he had the biggest smile on his face when he told us about when going around his city. He always has to take a cab, and he was telling us about the the that he's shared Jesus with over a hundred cab drivers in the city uh, every time. And it's just this joy when he does this. And I thought, here's someone who easily who saw the the, the, the depths of the brokenness of our world and what the lack of peace and devastation of our world. And yet, he says, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna tell people about the God who loves this world. I'm gonna tell people about the God who makes it possible for them to have peace with him and that they can have not only peace with God, but the peace of God in their life. Because blessed are the peacemakers. When you accept the peace of peace that Jesus offers now, it frees you to offer peace to others. This is this is this is the peace of peace that you have. When you if you will accept the peace that God offers you now, then it frees you to offer peace to others. Jesus has come offering peace with God and the peace of God. He's coming again. Will he find you having received what he's already given? Would you pray with me? Take a moment to bow your heads, close your eyes. As we go to prayer this morning, I wonder if there's anyone here this morning that prior to coming in this room, prior to coming to this service, that this was a real obstacle for you. That that, that looking around at the world and seeing the brokenness and seeing the the fighting and the violence and seeing everything, you just, it's been so hard for you to get past, and you've been able to say, if this is the way the world looks, how can I possibly believe there's a God of love? And maybe this morning, I believe this morning, God has been working on some hearts, and maybe this morning God has been working on your heart to open yourself to something you haven't been open to before to see that maybe there's an order of operations that God is working out that you need to allow him to work out, that you need to just allow God to be God and allow and trust that he's working this out and to accept the peace of peace that he offers you this morning, that he offers you the, to, be, to have peace with him and to have the peace of God in your heart and then to trust him. That he's working on the other piece. That he's working on the piece that doesn't yet exist in this world. And maybe you're here this morning and that has always been an obstacle for you, but this morning, God has been working on your heart and you just wanna say this morning, you're ready to say, maybe for the first time, you're ready to say, God, I am willing to trust you. I am willing to, to, uh, Lori, let you work in this obstacle. I'm willing to trust that you are at work and this morning, I'm willing to put my faith and my trust in you that I might be at peace with you and have that and receive that peace from you. That I'm not going to let this be an obstacle to my unbelief. To my, be- I'm not going to let this be an, an obstacle to my belief any longer. That this morning in faith, I'm going to put my trust in Jesus. If that's you and you're here, I'm just going to ask you to do nothing more than just lift your hand so that I can pray for you just between you, me, and God. If that's you, yep, I see that hand. If you just lift your hand, yep, yeah, I see that. Yep, hands all over, thank you. Yes, yes, yes. Let me just pray for you. Lord, you saw all those hands that are up and lifted and raised. God, you knew their doubts when they walked in this room and your Holy Spirit has been dealing with them this entire time. And so, Lord, now that they have raised their hand and said, God, I want to I put my faith and trust. I don't want this to be an obstacle to my belief any longer. I pray that you would come into their hearts. If that's you and you raised your hand, I encourage you in your own seat, in your own words, to just tell God what you want to do. Tell him that you want that peace with him. Tell him you want to receive that forgiveness that he offers through Jesus Christ. The Bible says when you confess that your sins, that God is faithful to forgive them. So let God know that, God, I want to let go of this obstacle. I don't want it to any longer be something that comes between you and me. I want to trust and let you be God, that you are working this peace out, even when I don't see it. I want to walk in peace with you and live my life in peace with you. And I want to receive that peace of God in my heart. Lord, I pray for those hands. Lord, would you come into their heart and their life? Would you give them right now, make them a new creation, and give them that joy that you promised to give? Please do it in Jesus' name. And for those of us in this room that are already followers of Jesus, there are places in our lives where we need to endeavor to live peaceably with everyone. God, would you show us and give us the strength to do that? Would you help us to have the courage to do that? Would you help us to be brokers of your peace in the world around us to share you with this broken world in Jesus' name, amen.